Welcome back, everybody, to episode 10 of Cake Bites. I don't really feel like it's a real milestone, but 10 episodes feels like a milestone for me. So I'm extra excited about this week's episode, Um, mostly because I'm hoping I'm introducing a lot of you guys to something new that that you'll be able to enjoy as maybe a traditional sports fan or maybe just somebody that's a fan of strategy. I personally enjoy watching football, so it was a no-brainer that I really enjoyed my first experience watching uh, a set of games for the SFL on Twitch a couple of weeks ago. Um, So, I am really excited to talk to you guys about the Simulation Football League, and um, and with me to talk about it, because he knows everything about it, is the one and only Commissioner for the league. So Cameron is going to talk about the wrapping up of season 10 and everything that's going to happen between seasons 10 and 11 and what you could do to get involved in upcoming season 11. So on to the show, I guess. Here is Cameron Irvine. I guess probably the thing that's known least about sort of the whole journey is just the um, the belief in just building up something from nothing and just a just how much work that takes, um, but b just how rewarding that can be right yeah, definitely. um sure. and uh you know i just i'm anytime i get a chance to just kind of speak on the subject um i just kind of take it whether it's like a, for a class or whatever because it's just Perfect. um so 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 i guess the natural question then is i guess first why are we talking today <laughs> you are cameron irvine right yes and uh, you are the commissioner of the Simulation Football League. Yes, ma'am. And there's, it, it sounds, it, the concept should be very easy to understand, but for some reason, it is a little hard to grasp what you guys do because it's so different than any other type of esport that is out right now, right? Yeah, you know, they, people, the first thing that an outsider might say is, you're not an esport. Because people aren't playing against each other, and that's what esports is all about—the competition. And you have to take a step back and say, "Well, that's not necessarily true. Our artificial intelligence might be playing against itself in its moment." And by "our," I mean just our league in general. We don't, you know, all pro football, two K eight, made by two K Sports, were the the geniuses right behind the artificial intelligence, just like, (laughs) just like Blizzard or EA or anybody else might be behind the intelligence of their games that people are able to, you know, enjoy and compete with. Um, 
But essentially what we are is the first competitive controllerless eSport um, that I'm aware of, right? I can only make the claims to what I know. Um, you know, but essentially what we've done with eSports is we looked at what eSports was, this this competitive space between either individuals or teams and a display of that competition in front of fans that truly enjoyed watching someone that's really good at the game that they love to play on the side. They just to really enjoy watching them play because it's Mm -hmm. almost like an art form, just like a LeBron James or a Tom Brady. Right. And we all gather around to watch those sporting events or to watch some brilliant trumpet player, which I was, you know, that I saw tonight at a, at a concert in North Texas. Um, but it, it all it all makes sense. Right. In in the way that we gather to view talent. And what I saw out of esports is. Yes. You gather around to view talent, but the, but that's not the final step of what it truly means to participate in a virtual space. What that truly means is to not only gather to watch competitors, gather to watch skilled professionals, but it's also to gather to watch yourself and to gather to watch your friends participate in a way that is hands-off and uh, suspenseful, right? Just like in real life when you don't know what's going to happen next. And it just – it its point, its reasoning behind the product and the way that it is, is to take that next step of – these, this is a computer playing a computer, but we have the best coaches, the best managers, um, you know, general managers and team owners and, and people that have been put into these roles through hard work and efforts and grit. You can't just become that, right, and be good at it. It takes a lot of uh, time, effort, and energy just like it would a competitor with a controller in their hand. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is – that's the general idea, right? We, we just – we take all these people and all their skills and talents and their football minds, the strategy behind the sport you know, that, that me and, and so many other people love, um, and, and we use that – as our fuel, as our competition, um, to where when you put in a play that week as a coach and you see that play executed against a defense that you were hoping it would be executed against and it is executed effectively and, 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 and the vision came together. That's what a real head coach feels. That's what uh, on the sideline. And, and I've always thought that video games, you're too much in control. It's like, it's like a reality T when they say it's reality TV, but it's not right. And to say that this is, you know, the, that 
reality TV is getting to push buttons to dictate whether or not your player makes a catch, that's not reality because every time you press A, that player is going to do what you told him to do. That's not real life. And and so and so we try to we try to simulate, no pun intended, what it truly means to be in a mo- in the moment in, in, as a football player or any other part of football, um, and, and and really feel like it's a better representation. Definitely, because you know I feel like Madden has spoiled a lot of people and how they feel like how a a football simulator should be played you're controlling you know everybody or you know your control right i actually really didn't ever play madden so i'm really talking about it (laughs) but (laughs) um it was never really my type of game i played like farming simulators instead Um, well you know and and it's the same thing with like sim city and um you know like planet coaster and so so many Mm -hmm. so many simulation games right but in 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 a lot of those simulation games even in in madden or in the nba game uh which you know the nba now has its own esports league that they're growing you know you you really can you really can kind of play god with it maybe a little too much um and and Mm -hmm. ultimately because games are not reality games have flaws and unfortunately, humans love to win, and so they will it's – it's incredible how quickly people will throw out simulation in order to win and, and take an exploit in a game and use it to their advantage and are heroed as being smart or heroed as being good. Well, they're not good at the sport. Or building a theme park, or uh, you know, building a city—they're just good at beating the game, right? And so, mm-hmm. I wanted to when I started this. I wanted—I just wanted to take that away from people. I just—I guess you could say that I'm a people person that doesn't believe in people. Um, I just—I just don't have a <laughs> belief that they, at the end of the day, are going to do the thing that life would do on its own. They're going to try to take control. That's, it's just our human nature, right? To take control of a situation, survive, adapt, all those things. And in this, in this case, in this league, you just, there's an inability to do that that can be thrilling to a lot of people. How long have you guys been uh, running the uh, simulation football league? So the Simulation Football League started in 2013, summer of 2013, um, but we had entities and attempts long before that. Um, I started, I started the concept, and I wasn't, I wasn't the only one, uh, apparently, because people that I've talked to since you know we've um, had the league have said, "Look, as a kid, I always used to." create teams and watch them play and put myself sort of in this alternate reality of what if I was running, you know, the NFL or the NBA and there were all these different teams in these different cities and how cool and how different and and how creative can I be? It's really a creative mind thing. So, 
um, you know, I was upstairs in, you know, the, I guess the, the playroom slash storage room of childhood toys, right. Would just be up there simming these games and essentially, you know, running these leagues and thinking, wow, it'd be so cool if there were other people that were involved with this. I'd love to get other people involved with this. So I, I started to, I started the concept of having, uh, you know, a, a simulation league and put that on a message board back in January of 2010. Um, I was at the time, uh, a fool and 18 and, <laughs> and when, you know, 60 something people were like, I want a team. I said, great, I'll give you one. And the league had 56 teams and we were all ready to go for the first season. And then about eight games in, I thought to myself, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had. I, how am I supposed <laughs> How am I supposed to showcase all of these games and all of these teams? And it's ludicrous. And I had to shut it down, you know. But just because one idea doesn't work doesn't mean you stop. You refine the idea. So we tried again and failed and tried again and failed and tried again. And failed before we really learn, you know, before we failed enough times to say, okay, this is all of the things that doesn't work. Let's take all of the things that do work and let's try again. And we've been going ever since. This is our 10th season. Y'all have uh, mastered the format. I, I wouldn't say mastered. I think we're always, you know, when you're. When you're an online entertainment product, you can't not change. You you can't become this thing that is the same old thing as it was last year because it becomes stale. People have short attention spans. They have an unlimited amount of media that they can consume online. So if somebody's going to consume you, if they're going to choose to 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 be a fan of you, you have to give them something that not only is different and unique, but you you constantly have to adjust the storylines and what separates that season from another season, right? You got to change up the graphics. You got to change up the conferences, who teams play. You've got, you know, you've got to encourage free agency so that players that were on one team this year play on another team the next year because they got a coaching job and now they're playing their old team. And it's this, it's this, it's these stories that, that we've never seen before, but now get to see. And, and that just helps keep everything fresh. And it's really, that's really needed in um, the online space. And so while we, we, while we like to think that we're not as flawed as we used to be, um, we're certainly going to continue to keep kind of pushing that next envelope of, okay, what's next? How many teams are playing in uh, the current season? So we have 18 teams competing. So four teams are left, uh, and then we'll have the championship game. But we, um, we are expanding by three teams. Um, so we had applications for those expansion teams um, and, you know, a lot of interested parties, a lot of people, if they feel like they're not going to be able to win or fully make it, 
you know the the best commitment or best pitch you know along the along the way they tend to back out and say hey maybe next season um so we end up with nine really really strong candidates and I've always been a believer of our ownership group getting to vote in their peers so it's their responsibility to to dissect these um you know these applications and these people and and are they best suited for um, the position? Do they need more time and experience in coaching? Do they need more time in the league in general because they're still in the honeymoon phase of this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, right? <laughs> it, like, like Definitely. Some, sometimes people need to – we need to see how they feel a year later before you know we can really feel comfortable or owners can really feel comfortable about saying, hey, this guy's going to be here for three, four, five, six years like we have. Um, and so, so that's kind of the, the team dynamic. And, um, I, I learned from the very first season, right. Going from zero to 56, bad idea. Mm -hmm. So going from 16 to 32 is a bad idea. Um, we, we grow, uh, with the demand of our product, um, and eventually we'll reach where, uh, where we want to be. Manageable growth is key to succeeding before I'm the kind of person when I get really overwhelmed, I almost like shut down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've been there. And it's so hard to climb out of the hole and like force yourself to get back into it. But I was curious. So I watched some, uh, I watched uh, one day recently, you guys were on the front page of Twitch. And so I kind of caught a couple of games that day and um, it was really fun to watch the chat because you obviously have like a really amazing fan like a base of fans and players and coaches and teams that are really really involved in helping people understand what you guys are doing but then also people coming in like oh my god what is this I thought this was real football like in the preview it looks like real football what what's going on is this like a shout casting thing I don't you know it was just amazing to see like so many people coming in and then all of your veterans just like really jumping on it and, and really trying to help them understand um, I was just curious, like, do you guys have a pretty large returning fan base? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny, Katie, we, one of our biggest struggles for a long time was retaining that player, right? That individual, uh, right? As a business and as an entrepreneur, I didn't necessarily yet understand how important it was to give someone an investment, not only in their team um, and in the league, but in themselves as well. Because that's what really hits people. That's what hits home with a lot of people is what um, what are they doing for me personally? And that's not that's not a knock on selfishness. That's that's a people really want to feel like they are um, that they have a place, right? That they uh, that they matter. And, Definitely. and so for the longest time, our players were essentially our fans. You know, we didn't even have people as players until season three of the SFL, which means the four previous failed attempts and the first couple of seasons, we just didn't even entertain the idea. And part of that was because we were just so small and had such a small following that thinking about having hundreds of people as players just seemed like something not to spend our time on because it was just spending it on a pipe dream. But 
once we, in season 10, establish the player progression system, which allows players to get to improve on their players' skills every week and built a, um, a, a player builder on our website for all the positions using um, using our own sort of player rating scale um, in terms of how much they uh, cost against the cap for certain amount of skills um, because we have salary caps in the league, right? To, so, so that everybody has a, has a level playing field, at least through rosters. Um, mm-hmm. We, we really built this, finally this, this concept of, Hey, not only do I care about the league, not only do I care about the team that I'm on, not only do I care about myself, but I care about my teammates and what they're doing. Are my teammates being responsible and helping our team get better? If they're not helping, I want to help them get better. And it it helped bond our community together, not just the league as a whole, but in our individual private locker rooms for our players, mm-hmm. because these locker rooms uh, essentially, you know, become a family for three or four months where they're you know, talking about, hey, you know, what are you going to do with your player this week? And what's what's the game plan looking like, coach? And, oh, I can't wait to beat this team that this other guy was talking smack in the other channel. And I just, you know, we, we just we got to take these guys down. And where are we in the playoffs? And 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 just all of that. Right. All of that conversation. And on top of that, hey, how's your day going? You know, what do you guys do? Um, oh, you know, I'm playing this right now. Oh, cool. I'm at home. You, you know, you mind if I jump in with you type of stuff, right? So it's just that team bonding. So to circle back to your question, Katie, we, we, our, our player retention rate was very poor. Um, but now we're looking at about a 90% return on all of the, all of the people that participated in the league this year, which was about 240 people. We expect about 85 to 90 percent of those people will return either with their teams or in new opportunities with expansion teams or coaching positions that open up um, or just exploring and and wanting to see if the grass is greener in some other locker room. Because every team, we kind of allow every team to kind of operate differently uh, in the way that they – go after free agents, uh, keep, keep locker room conversation going. It's, it's there, there are very different vibes, uh, in all those different, uh, organizations, which again is meant to simulate what it's like to play for the Cleveland Browns or the Dallas Cowboys. It's just, it's, it's a different, uh, it's a, it's a different ball game. So with rookies, with newcomers coming in, and all of these veterans, that's where that's where you see that growth. That's where you see our ability to say, okay, we need to open up some more slots. And so you say it's a different ball game, which is very clear um, in all aspects from esports and and obviously traditional NFL. Um, you know, I'm sure there's minor league football. I'm not aware of because I don't pay attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> all over. But 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 I, I've I've noticed that you guys have very unique individual identities for each of the teams and that's kind of a responsibility of the owners if i'm if i understand correctly yeah they you know they get to choose from it's got to be over 
you know, 80 or 90 different identities that kind of, that, that came with the game. Right. Um, and so they have a lot of, of freedom in terms of being able to design their uniforms and, and build a brand, change the colors. Uh, and a lot of guys really go out of their way to create this, um, this brand that is very unique. Um, and for example, the, let me, th- I wonder, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I don't see if I, if I mention one team, everyone else is going to say, what, why did they get mentioned? That's great. <laughs> we, we are the best brand, right? So I don't, I, so I'm, I'm careful about doing it. I that, understand. But, I don't want to get you in trouble. Sure. There, either way, right. There, there is, there, every team tries to establish their identity and they do that through promotional videos, through hashtags, through uh you know different uh the the dallas uh lobos for example make trading cards for their Mm -hmm. players and put them on magazine covers and and just sort of try to celebrate the football player like a football player would actually be celebrated for example um and that's just kind of one instance where a team says okay look this is this is kind of our brand we're proud of our identity and we're proud of who you are as a player, so we're going to showcase that. Um, there's an expansion team uh, or an expansion candidate, the Portland Predators, and in his application, you know, Portland is is Rip City. Um, that's the nickname for the, or that's the. I'm actually not sure on Portland culture, but I know that the Portland Trailblazers have Rip City on their jerseys from time to time. Well, uh, this Rip City is the uh, is a dinosaur claw that has gone through the eyes of Rip City, oh. and and it's and their hashtag is Fear the Roar, right? So like they get they have the ability or possibly have the ab- ability in the case of Portland to attract people by getting them invested in being the the predator of the jungle, right? Being the uh, the wild wolf or the, the, you know, the pirate of the seas or, or just wreaking havoc, right. Just like it, just like a hurricane or yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, and it really builds that brand awareness to where now we're getting helmets made. Uh, we're getting uniforms made. We've got merchandise, uh, that, is customizable to put your name um, and number and position on the sleeve. And there's so, there's so many different things that we can do. And there's so many things that people really, you know, cherish and desire because it really does feel like they play for an organization or they work for an organization that is an entity. And I think that's what a lot of people in esports. I think that's a big attraction to a lot of people, even if it's not sports related, right? If you're on a team, if you're a part of an, of an organization and you really feel like, you know, you're building a brand or you're building something, it just, just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It makes you feel really good. And I think that we're seeing the Overwatch League and, and how they've really gone after, you know, the teams being in a, a, a particular geographic location. And, you know, that's what they're building the brand around. And then, I feel like we're seeing that kind of take place more Uh, NBA. You you mentioned the NBA 2K league that is being is kind of in the works, I suppose. I believe they just had the draft a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. and ESPN did an article and said something to the effect of that, that this is the first 
sports league to adapt to esports, and I just shook my head and thought, "No, you're not," because <laughs> we've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like you said earlier, you know, as far as you're aware, you're correct that you're the first controllerless, right. right? But you know, you, you never know. Wrong. But just like and just like that, right now they are incorrect in their assessment, mostly just because you know the MB actual NBA is behind this particular league. Sure. They're the first major sports entity that that, you know, of the five major sports brands in America or Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, you know, it's it's I don't I don't fault a journalist who has no idea who we are. A lot of people don't know who we are. It's a very large planet. And what I was going to say, kind of going back to my earlier point before I asked you um, about being unique, um, was that I really what really stands out to me is that you guys aren't trying to be a simulation of the NFL. Y'all are trying to be your own unique entity and league. And, and I feel like that's really what stands out to me. Yeah. We made a conscious decision a, a while back, you know, because as I'm sure you can imagine, Katie, a lot of people come to us and say, you, man, if you did this on Madden, you would blow it out of the water. Like you would have been famous a long time ago. You would have been all over this because Madden sells millions and millions of copies every year. And we use a game that's 11 years old, right? So why, why don't you do that? Well, if our players are on the Denver Broncos, they don't believe that that's possible, it's too, it's too unbelievable, right? If I'm a guy mm-hmm. that works at a cubicle in Missouri and I drive home and I put a dinner in the microwave and I go out for a run and I watch some TV and maybe I have a dog and I played football in middle school. I've always loved the game but was just never really that amazingly athletic. How am I? How am I possible? How am I supposed to believe that I'm a, all of a sudden a running back on the Denver Broncos? Like that's that's just not something that's obtainable. But if I can be the running back of the Carolina Skyhawks, why not? That's totally obtainable because the Skyhawks aren't a real entity that professional athletes are actually on. So it becomes a reality that is obtainable and therefore believable. And I made a conscious decision a while back to say, look, it would be easier. We could get more attention quicker for bringing this concept to a game like Madden or a game like NBA 2K. But I don't want instant and quick fame that fades away because we're not unique because all we're doing is using NFL teams. I want to be, I want to build something that is so untouchably unique that by the time people notice we're already there. You give your players an opportunity to build an identity within those franchises instead of assuming the identity of somebody else who's already living that life. So how does the, the, the involvement work with the players? Because that's kind of the ground level that people sure. can be involved in the and, league, right? And, and so how does that work? So a player, if a player's interested, right, in, in being a part of the league, they would go to our website, simulationfl.net. They would join our Discord community, okay? And when they join our Discord community, it's actually quite humorous 
right? This this again goes towards the um, not trying to obtain instant gratification. Uh, we have an introductions channel, and in the in the introductions channel, it tells you that once you introduce yourself, you will be granted permissions to speak in all the other channels. Well, you would be amazed how many people think that they don't they don't know what's happening. They don't have permissions. They don't what how do I do this? How does this work? It's not working. Well, you didn't read. You didn't read the instructions. If you can't read the instructions, then you're not going to be a superstar here because you're not even paying attention when you first get in, right? So when you first get in, so that's kind of our screening process right off the bat, right? If you can read, you're in, okay? So once they introduce themselves and get kind of into the public community, they're able to interact with the community. And as you pointed out earlier, the base of the SFL is so incredibly helpful. It used to be me. Every time, every time somebody new joined, it was me. Hey, welcome to the SFL, yada, yada, yada. I'm here to answer any questions you have. And I was there 24 seven all the time. And I was, I was on top of it today. My gosh, I, I, it's impossible. I try to talk to every single, you know, rookie. I try to send them an introductory, you know, letter, so to speak, through a private message. And I, and I try to be approachable and, and I give everybody my cell phone number. I don't care if you're a stranger. This is, this is your league and, and I work for you. So call me. Right. And, um, and so players are able to then interact not only with other players in the league um, and kind of get shown the ropes, but with owners and coaches in the league because they're all designated through roles. So everyone can see who's an owner, uh, who's a coach, who's a broadcaster, who's the league staff member, and they can kind of, uh, you know, address them uh, as needed. So when a player is wanting to get involved in the league, depending upon the time of season right now, they would join, they would join the draft because we'll have a rookie draft in the off season. If they join during the season, then they're looking for that, that spot to open up, right? A player falls inactive for whatever reason, they're there to gobble it right up, right? To start their journey. Um, so it's really a matter of if you really want to be, a great player. If you really want to be a star player, a superstar player, you want to start your career and you want to start your destiny, so to speak. <laughs> um, then, then you've got to, there, there's a, there's a level of, you got to figure it out for yourself. And that's kind of intentional because I had to figure it out for myself, right? The teams <laughs> had to figure it out for themselves. And if you really want something, you'll figure it out. Right. And that's another separator for us between someone who's just a fan and we love having fans and we need more fans of people that just love the product and being a player and that really is, being in the nitty gritty. If you enjoy watching football, you're going to enjoy watching this because the, the game is all about the strategy. It really <laughs> and is. The plays. And so it's, it's literally like watching actual football. A hundred percent. The hardest thing is to. Uh, you know, our customer acquisition cost is probably through the roof. But our, the hardest thing of uh, to showcase to people, which we're constantly working on, you know, through new partnerships and technology, is to is to let people know that 
even though the computer just called this play and the computer called this play for the two different teams, doesn't mean that there that that there's no strategy there because these coaches put in a custom game plan with over 6,500 plays to choose from. And they whittled that down, 85 on offense and 40 on defense. And those are the available plays for the AI. And the AI, based on football logic, not based on game exploits or what's broken or what's not broken, but just on football logic alone, is attempting to say, okay, I want to score a touchdown here. What play in this situation do I want to run to make that happen? And then it switches over and says, okay, how can I stop this? Can I stop this? If I can't stop this, they're going to score. If I can, and I, and I see that in this defensive strategy that there is a play in here that can stop this, okay, that's what I'm going to call. And that's where you get the strategy element of it. But it's so hard to showcase that on the screen, in the moment, live in real time. We do our very best and we'll continue to do better. But that's that's sort of the behind the scenes gears, the inner workings of what of, of why these people in the chat room are so desperate when it's <laughs> when it's fourth down. You know, they they're right. just they're just begging for something to go their way because there's a level of control, but there's a level of just mystery to the whole thing. I was watching the San Antonio games last week. Yeah, San, in Indy. It, yeah, exactly. And San Antonio, I, I thought that they were going to make the comeback at the very end of the fourth quarter. They scored on a couple uh, runs, like, right in a row. And I was like, oh, they might actually do it. And it was like they, they got to fourth down, like, I think maybe two or three times in the last quarter, like, almost scoring. And they were stopped by Indy's defense. And I was literally screaming at my TV. <laughs> Every like I had, I was, I had people with me. I wasn't the only person watching. We were all yelling at the TV, like, like we would when we were watching, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever. Like, it, it just, it was. It, I wasn't expecting it. I really didn't know what I was going to be getting into watching it, you know, because I also was confused about the format, just kind of. But I, and I ended up. And by the end of it, obviously, it didn't even by the end of it, like within 10 minutes, I, you know, I understood the format and it was just like watching a game, even though it's April. <laughs> you know, they could have come that it was they were down by 10. They and went they for two and the, and the receiver ran his route out of the back of the end zone was out of bounds. That receiver is a real person. That quarterback is a real person. That defender in the back of the end zone is a real person. So you've got in the chat room in real time the receiver saying, dang, like I screwed it up. Like I'm so sorry. Like everybody knows that it's not his fault, right? He didn't – but he feels the guilt for the mistake that his player made because he knows – because he feels like he let his team down. He feels like maybe if he would have – adjusted his route running this week instead of his speed, maybe he would have caught that pass, right? And so you so you get into the moment and the quarterback in the chat says, don't worry about it, man. You know, mm-hmm. pick some, pick some up. 
picks him up as a leader. The Indianapolis defender is, says, you know, boy, I'm sure glad that you ran that route out of bounds because you ran right past my zone. And, you, man, whoo, I dodged a yeah. bullet there because my teammates would have been upset if I would have given that up and we would have let you guys back in the game. And, and you've got all those dynamics. And that's happening in the chat as everybody is watching this game and as the broadcasters are calling the game and calling out these players' names and giving them the recognition of what they did or didn't do. And just to add that extra oomph of there's the real production Definitely. in all of this. There's a lot of moving parts, and it's really apparent when you're really in the thick of the excitement. And, and you can really appreciate it because the broadcasters, the shoutcasters, everybody did a really good job. Like, I watched both of those games and i know it was different broadcasters each game right yeah did you know i was the the one on the second on the game? second game i wasn't sure to be completely honest <laughs> <laughs> i was just i knew there was two there was four different guys that had shout casted right yeah yeah i was i was play by play on the second game and i i used to i used to do four wow. games a week four two-hour games a week and it almost That's killed perfect. me I mean, it's just it, – it's it's so hard to pour that much into every single game and it not become monotonous. And, and um, you know, even still in the last game I did, you know, I lost my voice on the last play. I just – I couldn't <laughs> – I couldn't take it anymore. It was just – it was so exciting and I have a particular excitement just because it's – you know, it's it's the thing that I grew – and, and obviously had help along the way from other people. But the, you know, the thing that I grew, the idea that was mine and mine alone from January, 2010, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, we, we wouldn't be doing this without the help of other people, but just to know that my idea has developed into this brings such a joy to the broadcast. And we're celebrating an anniversary on uh, in the semifinals, it's the 700th wow. SFL game uh, in the semifinals. So it's, you know, the first, I don't know, 200 were probably all me commentating. And now we've got, you know, nine different crews and it's not it's not as bad so as it used to the be. The nine crews, are they spread uh, out or is everybody kind of in the same place? Yeah. So uh, so some crews are actually together in the same place. There's a father and son <laughs> combo that, um, that, that, uh, that call the games. Um, but there's also people that aren't even in the same state that call a game together. Um, you know, somebody can be in California and another person can be in New York city and through the power of servers and being able to chat online without, incurring old, you know, phone out of state fees or, you know, whatever they, whatever used mm -hmm. to, they used to charge for talking out of state, right? Because of the power of technology, you know, they are able to successfully call a football game from two different places. You know, the play-by-play -play guys in Houston, the color guys in Michigan, and the game is actually being played mm -hmm. in St. Louis and they're playing San Francisco. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and so we, uh, we'll all get together as a group each week. We'll have a production meeting. We'll assign games. We'll, 
you know, uh, uh, make sure that um, everyone is is available in the slots uh, that we have games each week. We have live uh, stats statisticians that take down live stats wow. for the broadcasters during the games so that broadcasters can get all of the stats in real time. Um, and so the stat people are a part of that play-by-play and color crew. Um, and obviously the, you know, the, the production of the games themselves, um, is a whole nother, uh, different animal. So really, you know, when you're watching something come together, it's, you know, a handful of people or more sometimes that lend it a hand in some way of, of making that wow. what it is. And, and those people don't normally get recognition. So I just want to make sure that I just want to make sure everybody understands how much work goes into something as awesome as what you guys are doing. And my question was, so the game is, what game is it that you guys are playing on? So it's all pro football 2K8. It came out in 2007 and it actually came out with the premise of NFL, of having NFL legends, being able to kind of play with all-star teams, right? You could pick Dan Marino and Earl Campbell and Jerry Rice and put them all on the same team. That, that was cool, right? That was, that was sort of the marketing plug. But honestly, you know, we believe uh, just here in the SFL, the 2K just missed the boat. They, this game came out in 2007, bef- just before, you know, eSports really kind of started to take off and blow up uh, in America. And for, for the game, it was about not having the NFL license, but getting the next best thing, which was NFL Legends. But what they missed was the individual the total customization, the, the, the building of individual players and their stories, right? Because that was what was going to be the next big thing. And so in our league, we hardly use anything that the game came with. We, we, have, we have our own player builder on our own site. We have our own um, – our, our president uh, edits all of our rosters and all of our player ratings off-site off the game um, through, through an editor that was, that was created by the community. Um, uh, King Havo specifically is his username. So (laughs) I I don't want to, I don't want to not give him a shout out uh, for the creation of that, but, but you know, uh, uh, so much of what we do, we don't run a season or a franchise on the game. Every single one of our games are just exhibitions. The game doesn't even, the game doesn't know that it's our championship, but we're using, that artificial intelligence to fuel the results of what we have. And every single game we play is an ex is technically an exhibition to the game. And it's so funny how the game seems to know when a game is big or important, because if it's down to the wire and the winner goes to the playoffs and the loser goes home, it's almost always (laughs) an incredible game, right? Like one, like one of the best of the whole season, um, and the the game's intelligence and ability to execute these unbelievable once in a lifetime moments is I mean it's almost divine. It's 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 crazy. For example, the a quarterfinal game that just happened between Indianapolis, who advanced because they beat San Antonio on the front page, and Tallahassee, the number one seed. Of the league this year, they went undefeated in the regular season. They were the third team to ever do so. 
That game wow. went into overtime, which is not not totally uncommon, but doesn't happen often. And Indiana, after Tallahassee got the ball and had to punt, and Indy got the ball and had to punt, and Tallahassee got the ball and had to punt, right? It was they were just kind of going back and forth, and the first score wins. Indianapolis went to punt, and their punt actually got blocked. The game, the the, the game blocked the punt. Like the Tallahassee guy came in un, uh, uh, un um, you know, they they missed him, and he just came right off the edge, and he blocked it. But he partially blocked it, so the ball went sideways, and was recovered by Indianapolis short of the first down of the 18 yard line. Right, set Tallahassee up in the perfect position to win the game. And the very next play, they threw a pass to the back of the end zone and and scored a touchdown and won the game. It was the first time in 699 SFL games that we had ever had a block punt in overtime. It had never happened. And it's only probably the 10th or 11th time we've ever had a block punt. And to see that happen earlier in the season, a San Antonio tight end actually kicked the ball to himself for a touchdown. Is there a VOD of this video? There, there is. I, there is a... Uh, okay, yeah. I just feel like this VOD is important to share. And and on the instant replay, they couldn't tell, the broadcasters couldn't tell in real time what had happened. Then they showed it on the replay, and it showed that the ball hit the player on the, his back heel, and it kicked up to him, and when he turned around... There it oh was. And he caught it. Never in 699 games has any player ever caught a pass off their foot, let alone for a touchdown. It had never occurred before. There had been an interception off a of foot one time, and I could tell you who it was, Tank Savage, and we got that on video too, <laughs> right? But it's it's the – forgive me. The SFO encyclopedia begins well, to roll out it. because no, – it's important though. The nuance is what's so important because it's it's a, it's a genuine actual community with with things like this that, you know, that draw you in. Like I feel so invested after only watching two games. We track everybody's stats. So everybody has their career numbers that are available to them and we have it all in leaderboards and I'm, I'm going there right now just to, because I'm interested to see where they are as, as updated, but people get to chase down milestones and people get to chase down people that are either currently in the league or aren't in the league anymore. For example, Joseph Redfeather, who isn't even a real person because remember at the beginning we didn't have real people. He leads the league all time in passing yards with 26,092. Because we've been tracking those stats from the beginning. The number one actual person was Mike Dazzo. He's third on that list, 20,305. And currently, the number four person and the number five person on those all-time passing leaderboards are people that are still in the league right now that are chasing down records. Sue Falls' quarterback is... 160 yards away from becoming the third time all lead, all time leading passer, and they play in the semifinals. They won their first franchise game ever this past week, and he can actually get that milestone this week. Wow, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for him, right? He just crossed over the 20,000 yard milestone. So 
that's when we put a graphic on the screen and celebrate his achievements and congratulate him when he passes those those milestones or gets his 200th touchdown or whatever the case may be. And so we can we can track all of those throughout our history um and you know we've had so many we've had uh, it appears that we've had 48 quarterbacks in SFL's history and we've got data on all of them. Wow. Would you so would you say that there's any rivalries that have grown out at least out of this season? Out of this season. Or just um, historically in the league, I guess. I'm not sure, sure when the last time you guys added teams were or how often you add. So. Yeah, we, we added teams this past year. Uh, San Francisco, London, and uh, Indianapolis. And there's one more. Uh, Tulsa. Um, the, all four of those teams were new this year. So we went from we went from 14 to 18. Throughout the season, and really it's, it's about those those personalities at the top and the personalities that are on the team. A big rivalry is Carolina Tallahassee, not for any reason other than Tallahassee has had their number. Carolina has, has only made the playoffs ever one time. They've, you know, had a lot of growing pains and up and down seasons and Tallahassee's having their best season ever, but they've never won a championship either. Right. But Tallahassee's just kind of always had Carolina's number and, that rivalry was fueled when Carolina was two and seven. They won three games in a row to end the season in an, in an improbable run. They get in, they get into the playoffs and the team they have to face in the first round is Tallahassee and Tallahassee cleans their clock and ruins their whole, <laughs> ruins their whole Cinderella season. And it just, it just makes it even more of a, I want to take you down and I want to, so that's like, that's an example of a rivalry that may be a little lopsided, but there's a lot of friendly banter and rivalry and competition there between those two sides. And they've played, I think Carolina and Tallahassee have played 10 times in history. So they've, they're familiar with each other, right? A Mexico city, Alaska played for the fifth time. Oh, wow. Um, and the first time in the playoffs, just this past weekend and all of their games have been really close and, uh, Oklahoma City and Queen City don't play a lot, but they are the two teams still left from the original seven when season one started. Those, and the owner of the Queen City Corsairs was actually is is the only person oh, that wow. is still left from when I launched the idea in January of 2010. He was a part of that group. And he has been in this league for eight years, and he is a Hall of Fame finalist. This uh, this summer at our first convention, we'll be inducting our inaugural Hall of Fame class, um, and and celebrating their um, their journey right through through all of this. Um, and you know, on top of that, we keep track of franchise records as well. Queen City is. The all-time winningest team there. They are. They are. They're 64 and 50 all-time, um, and have played in more games than any other team. That's 114 games out of 700, or whatever. So they've been around for a long time. So it's just, just to see it build, um, and and the importance of keeping that detail. Because in season one, it does. It seems silly, but we knew that you know, 10 seasons down the road, we'd really appreciate having all that information. 
Definitely. So, so y'all are having a convention where give me all of the details. So the convention <laughs> is in Irving, Las Colinas. Um, it is, uh, July 13th through the 15th. And it is through one of our league partners, show business studios, a film production company. Um, we expect that, uh, expect slash or hopeful that, uh, the convention is, turned into um, a documentary, an updated documentary, since we had uh, a documentary actually produced a few years ago uh, by, oh, a wow. by a filmmaker who ended up becoming the owner of the Tallahassee Pride because he got so, in <laughs> he got so invested into the product, he couldn't resist and oh. applied to be an owner of the team and, and uh, you know, got accepted as, as an owner and has been here ever since and, and now is number two all-time in wins with 48. Um, oh, wow. so, um, so we hope to kind of get an updated documentary. It's quite funny. The old documentary is only a couple years old and almost nothing applies except, <laughs> except the general principle. Right. But everything else has, has changed so much. Um, and you know, the real interest behind the film, uh, production company and, and the, the, the filmmaking of this event is you've got people from seven different continent or not continents seven different countries three different continents um that by and large have been friends for years and have never met you have people from all sorts of back you know backgrounds cultures um you know fields of of work or fields of study um you've got players coming you've got coaches coming you've got owners coming to be able to say what's up coach to some random person you know for the, the a player from louisiana can say what's up coach always oh, man so great to meet you uh, from a to a coach in ohio and and the two of them be on vancouver right that the team vancouver in the sfl it it's it's something that just doesn't happen in the world to, to bring all of those people together from Mexico, from the UK, from Canada, from the U S from, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think we're, any of our Argentinian uh, brothers are going to, um, are going to, to be able to make it, but just, just to bring, to bring all those people together and have a hall of fame ceremony and open season 11, with competition that weekend where all of the teams are in action and all of those broadcasters that they've heard called games for years. Now they're actually getting to watch those broadcasters call those games live. They're getting to enjoy the games with their friends, their, you know, their longtime friends with, with uh, current, with, with their teammates, with their coaches, with their team owners, with, with people in the league that they've admired or been fond of or, Dude, I love the way you run. You, you're you're just a beast out there, man. It's unbelievable. Nice to finally meet you. And the guy is the guy couldn't be couldn't be less athletic. But it's that's that's what's all part of the that's what's all part of the attraction is you can you can literally be somebody that you never could be, but at the same time you can be you. Um, and so that's what this convention is going to be all about. And I just can't, I'm, I'm going to lose it, Katie. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a mush ball, <laughs> like, like see, seeing it all, seeing all these people 
that have spent so much time giving the SFL great football and 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 being there for me and for our league staff and and the people that just work countless hours to help me build this and help me make it big i i just am in, in eternally grateful and i know that they're eternally grateful to all of their other peers and and to league staff and you know every, everything's reciprocal um so I, we're just we're just so excited about it um you know partner with Hilton Garden Inn to get us an awesome rate and you know we we made some some really good really good deals with with some corporations this year uh to really take our product to the next level and and I think that this summer and and the future just it's just so exciting so so when is the championship game for season 9 so the championship game for season 10 or sorry uh, it's okay. I just I, I wanted to bust you there just for a little bit, but um, uh, the championship game for season ten is right now not one hundred percent, but ninety two percent going to be Tuesday, April twenty fourth on the Twitch front page. Okay. Um, after we got over a hundred thousand views on our last Twitch front page, um, we uh. We're, we're slotted for two more front page games uh, this season, the championship game and our first Pro Bowl, first all-star okay. game uh, with all of our, our users. Um, and, you know, we have a great uh, relationship with with um, a program director over at Twitch who, who really believes in the product and has essentially said, look, you guys keep pulling in the numbers you pull in. Keep giving the ratings that you guys give. I, I believe in your product. I, I think this is something that's that's next level. And when you've got an event, we're gonna put it on the front page. We're gonna we're we're gonna make a show out of it because you guys do such a good job of making a show out of your product. Um, and so we're really blessed uh, to have that. So the only reason why it's not a hundred percent is I'm working with um, we've got a new partner. Um, in the SFL that's flying um, from out of state to headquarters to check out the championship game and all of its bells and whistles. And we've got uh, some commentators, a couple of analysts um, who are also team owners. The owners of Houston and Dallas are coming to headquarters um, to broadcast the game in person with me in the studio. Um, wow. And so, so there's a lot of scheduling that goes into it. And we want to make sure that we've got a slot on the, on the Twitch front page that makes sense. So um, we're almost positive. It's the, it's April 24th and we should know in the next, probably by the time this podcast comes out, honestly. And I will, I, so I will have show notes with videos and links to, I would love to put links to all the teams um, just so that people know. I don't think people realize like, you know, the the places that a lot of the teams are at, you know, may not be places that you're used to having a team representing, um, like Mexico City, like a like Alaska, Sioux Falls, um, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, I'm really excited to all of this information with people on the website, and I'll be sure to have all of the updated, correct information there for people to find as well. Awesome. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention while you are here with me? in this virtual space. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, 
it's crazy. You know, I going back to kind of how we started the conversation, the amount of time that it takes to truly build something from nothing is – 